Uh, guys, it's so nice to see you. I'd love to add my welcome to uh, that of Tim's um, and others who might have welcomed you. My name's Nick. I've been around for about a year or two uh, here at this place, um, and it is good to be here. Um, we saw the Alpha video a moment ago. Oh, I just did what Tim did and saw me. But you know you can do that, and you can still never look at yourself. It's a bit weird. Um, we saw the Alpha video a moment ago. What is really exciting this year is actually this year we're going to be doing Alpha, or this term, uh, using the Alpha film series. And that's been shot all around the world in lots of different places, and it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and between the different people on the staff here, um, all the, kind of the key presenters are known individually to various different people uh, who are in the room now, which is really, really cool. And one of the presenters is a BAFTA award-winning uh, TV presenter, which is pretty cool. Anyway, I thought that was good. Um, Youth are going to have a, uh, young people are going to have a kind of a special group uh, for them, and we're going to try and keep them right in the corner so they're not too noisy. Um, what's really cool is the students and the armory gym. If you haven't heard about the armory gym, Jamie's going to wave, talk to him afterwards. He's right at the front. Um, that is an incredible gym. They're going to team up and they're going to have a couple of groups or something for uh, students and armory gym, and Holly's uh, part of that. Um, and it's just going to be really good. Um, I've done so many alphas over the years, and every single time I've learned masses and masses, um, and it's just been awesome to see God move in people's lives. Okay, are you excited about that? I'm excited about that. I'm also excited uh, for tonight because uh, God has been really challenging me and just kind of keeping me on the edge of my seat as I've been kind of thinking and reading the particular passage we're going to look at. Um, and I hope you are ready to be engaged because you're not going to be sitting there in your chairs for the next half hour just listening. You guys are going to participate in a whole variety of ways. So uh, if you're able to, would you like to stand right now? Look at that. There you go. See, you've already joined in. I just want to say thank you. You can sit. No, no don't sit down. Don't sit down. Okay, so um, I'd love you in a moment to turn to one or two people near you. Um, and there's one simple question I'd like you just to thrash out between you for about a minute, two minutes. Uh, the question is here on the screen. What is the church for? What's, what's this all about? Okay, so turn to someone. If you don't know them, say hello. If you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. Just chat. But if you can, have a go. watching Are these named? It's mine. Pay attention. Play well, Dad. Don't go on your phone. With nails, yes, honestly. I'm taking notes. Okay, when you're when you're ready, take a seat. And uh, no doubt, the person you were chatting to had an amazing answer. Uh, so hold that answer in your mind as we go through tonight. And I'm going to begin with a story. Might have been something you've heard before, uh, but uh, I think this story was originally written in the 1950s uh, in America, and it's, it's a great story. It goes like this. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occurred, there was once a crude little lifeboat station. The building was just a hut, 
and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea and, with no thought for themselves, went out day and night tirelessly looking for lost people. Some of those who had been saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with this station and give of their time, money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. With commitment and energy, the little lifeboat station grew. Some members of the lifeboat station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped that they felt more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency hammocks with beds and they put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now the lifeboat station became a popular gathering place for its members. They decorated it and furnished it beautifully and they started using it as a sort of club. Fewer members were now interested in going out on life-saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work for them. Life-saving pictures and mementos decorated the club's walls where official meetings were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, with different personalities and temperaments, and from other cultural backgrounds. The beautiful new club was in chaos. So the committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club, where a shipwrecked victim could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, the club membership was divided. Some of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities since they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. But some members insisted this is what their primary purpose was, and they pointed out they were still called a lifeboat station. However, they were finally outvoted, and they were told if they wanted to save the lives of all types of people who might be shipwrecked, they could go and begin their own lifeboat station somewhere else further down the coast. This they did. As the years went on, similar changes took place in the new station as well. It also evolved into a club, and consequently, another lifeboat station was founded elsewhere. History continued to repeat itself. And on that seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the coastline. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but most of the people are never reached and saved. Why are we here? Why, why are we here? In 1820 or whenever it was, why was this church built? Why across our nation are there churches in, in pretty much every village and every town? Why are they there? Why were they built? And when Jesus said, I will build my church, what did he have in mind? It's his idea. What did he have in mind? We've been spending a few weeks, this is our third week, in an incredible passage of scripture. It's Acts chapter 2. And uh, if you've got a Bible, why don't you uh, head to Acts chapter 2. And this is the story of the first church, the very first one. It's sometimes known as this little passage. It's from verse 42. It's known as the Fellowship of Believers. Uh, That's often the little heading our Bibles put in in there. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I'd love to read that. You can follow it if you like. Um, It'll be on the screens as well. 
So Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves. This is the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so tonight is the third and final installment uh, in our All In series. And it's just been a reminder, this series, of, of who we are and what we're about. And we've articulated that around these, these three uh, phrases, if you like. All in with God, all in with each other, and all in for the world. Now, there's nothing new or fancy or clever or unique uh, about these kind of sayings. In fact, this, is, this sum is pretty much how every church in every age, in every culture across the world, this is pretty much the vision, the mission, the, the stuff for all of us. You might have come across it in other churches saying the same thing, but just saying it slightly differently. There's a church I know that used to just say, up, in, and out. The whole idea is that we grow up in our relationship, in with each other and community, and then out into the world. Another church uh, used to use three words, deeper, closer, further, that we might go deeper, that we might get closer, and then go further. Some churches use uh, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment is, is love God and love people. The Great Commission is go to all the nations and make disciples. Uh, of all nations. And they just use those strap lines. In some ways, it's saying the same thing. So the all-in thing is not new, but I find it helpful because it forces me to ask the question, am I? All-in with God, am I? Am I? All-in with each other, am I? And all-in for the world in which we live, the community in which we're placed, am I? Now, looking at the passage, I've highlighted a few uh, different things. There's plenty in the passage about being all in with God. So as the passage comes up, you'll see the red uh, text. Uh, there's, there's lots there. They devoted themselves. The apostles' teaching, prayer, wonders and signs, and then praising God. There's plenty in that passage. You can, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been pulling this stuff out, all in with God. And you see the first church were like, yes, it's all about him. Awesome. There's plenty in this passage about being all in as a community. In fact, a lot of this stuff is like crazy challenging. And we're like, what? Um, and the, the blue text, I've just highlighted that. They call it fellowship, together, everything in common. They share, they sold stuff to give to anyone who was in need. They continued to meet together. They ate together. So there's plenty in there, isn't there, about being all in with each other. There's not much in there about being all in for the world. Possibly just that last sentence. And it's important to see that it's God who does the adding, and God added to their number. God. God added to their number, those who are being saved. But that doesn't mean we just sit here and just let God add it, add them to us. So the context of any passage in Scripture is like so, so important. And you see, just a few verses before, these very same people who are now sitting in the first church, these very same people, they were lost. They didn't know. 
they were lost. They were going about their lives quite normally. Some of them were going to school. Others were learning their trade. Some had jobs. They had families. They had lives. They didn't know, many of them, they were lost. It was only when Peter got speaking to them that the penny dropped. And suddenly, they're like, what? How did we miss this? In fact, verse 37 after Peter has explained about Jesus and how he came and why he came. And in verse 37 of the same chapter, chapter 2, he says, uh, uh, they were cut to the heart. The people heard this and were cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Cut to the heart. You know that feeling when you've, when you've done something wrong. You may not have done it on purpose. It's just something just happened. And, and then you're just thinking and like, oh my goodness and you're just looking and you're staring the consequences in the face of that thing and you're like you suddenly feel sick and you're like oh, that's that's kind of what's going on that's what's happening with these guys they were cut to the heart they suddenly realized they had a huge need and and they just said verse 37 they just said what are we going to do what are we going to do they said it to each other brothers what shall we do fortunately peter is the one who answers them uh, and then he tells them to repent and be baptized. Uh, and that's the start, these guys coming to know Jesus. But they notice their moment of need. And I just wonder if, if you remember the time when you first noticed, when you first realized, when you first became aware of your need before God, when you first became aware of the fact that you needed to be rescued. You needed a saviour. You needed God because you came face to face with you. The bits of you that you don't like. The bits of you that we can't fix. I remember the time for me very, very clearly. I was uh, a teenager. Uh, on, the, on the outside, I, I thought I was a, a pretty together teenager. I, I had the mask on and, and I thought I was, I was doing a pretty good job. On the inside, I was a broken teenager. Absolutely hurting. I, w- I was looking for... Um, I was looking for applause, I was, I was looking for um, affection, I was looking for uh, recognition and acceptance in all the wrong places, and I was trying to project at the same time, had it all together. Is that familiar? You know, we've got apparently 9,000 students in the University of Gloucester, um, so I'm just guessing the maths, maybe something like 2,000 of them are freshers. Guys, you are so welcome here. Many, many, many freshers will come to this university, uh, and my nephew started up in Durham University today as a fresher. Freshers all across this nation, and they'll be going there, and they'll be like, I want to show everyone that I've got it together. Guys, you don't have to here. You can just be real. But so many of us feel this urge, this need to kind of put on a mask and say, da-da, and our Facebook and our Instagram and this and the other, and we're just projecting. Well, actually, often we're projecting what we wish was true, but so often it's not the full picture. And, and for me, uh, someone actually, as, as a teenager, who was like just posing, just bluffing, uh, and someone invited me to a kind of a Christian group at school, which was all a bit full of weirdos, to be honest. Um, that's what I thought. And then also to a camp in the summer holidays. Uh, and then for the first time, like these guys, someone explained the story of Jesus in a way that suddenly was like, my eyes are open. I'm like, what? That is awesome. And I realized what my need was. You know, you've heard it said, I think it was once Archbishop, maybe William Temple or someone, said, said something like this. The church is the only organization on earth that exists for its non-members. You heard that before? The church is the only organization on earth that exists for its non-members. 
or maybe primarily for its non-members. It's a vital part of who we are, of why we are here, why this building is standing to reach those who are lost. So these guys in the, in the early church, the very first church, they repented. That kind of means turning back to God when their eyes were suddenly opened. They got baptized. They were filled with the Spirit. And then, this is so key, they form a church that continues the movement. Okay? So someone told them and invited them into this journey, and they form a church that does the same that goes out, that tells. And actually the rest of the book of Acts, the most incredible, one of the most incredible stories in the, in the, in the Bible is just the story of the church, telling the world who don't know, telling the world uh, about Jesus. It's absolutely brilliant. And that, guys, that is why the Lord added to their number daily because they couldn't keep quiet, because they understood their mission, because they were active and intentional and sharing the good news. But there's a surprise in this passage too. Do you see the surprise? There's a surprise here. Have a look in a minute minute, at the second half and just see. I'm going to give you like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, just to read it in a moment. And I'd love you to look for the surprise. This is so important. So up it comes. Read it through. And just see if there's something there that sort of sticks out. What surprises you? Okay, who wants to have a stab? Someone just shout at me. But hopefully nice things. Uh, who wants to go have a go? I can't hear. I'm a bit old, a bit deaf. Every day. Okay, something about every day. Something else. There are lots of surprises. I'm looking for one surprise. It's a bit like a loaded question. Come on, keep going. What surprised you in there? Top of the class. I'll give you a sticker later. Um, the f- I can't even see who's that. Is that Sandra? The fa- enjoying the favor of all the people. See that? They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Guys, why is that a surprise? Not a trick question. I, th- I think that's, it's a surprise to me because I don't believe that is our experience in 21st century Britain, anywhere in the world. Do you, do, do you think that we enjoy the favor of all the people? I don't think we do. I asked six of you uh, earlier this week what your friends who were not believers, I asked you to ask them, what do they think about the church? Or what do they think about Christians? This is what they said. Christians are boring. It's just about rules. The church is out of date. Christians are hypocritical. Church is controlling. It's boring, structured, old, hypocritical, judgmental, cliquey, totally irrelevant. I don't care. That is what they answered. Now, fair enough. I only asked six 20-year-olds this week. That is not the case for every single person uh, in this nation. But it doesn't sound like we're enjoying the favor of all the people. And I think we just need to press into this just a little bit. Okay, so I've got another exercise for you guys. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you can. So keep you awake. So stand again. Stand again, and you might want to go to different people this time, but I'd love you to get into groups of three or four. This is going to be like a four or five minute chat, okay? There's a question that's going to come up on the screen. It's two questions, really. And it's this, what might cause people to feel favor towards the church or towards Christians? And the second question is, what might cause people to feel other things? 
towards the church or towards Christians. And the idea is that you guys are going to have a look at this, two questions, and you're going to get some feedback. We're going to send some microphones around, um, and uh, you guys are going to feedback in about five minutes. Give me some ideas. What, what might we do that make other people go, oh, yeah, they're amazing? And what might we do that makes them say they're not? Okay, so turn to a few people and chat away. About four or five minutes. Yeah, can you go? What might cause people to feel favor? That means kind of, what might we do that make other people go, wow, they're amazing, okay? To feel favor, favorably towards us. Okay, just a minute or so left. Now, I know some of you need to work a bit harder on the favor one because loads of, loads of questions coming on the right on the other one. Another minute or so left. Okay, so I'm going to call up Melissa to be my scribe, and I'm going to send out Tim and Holly with microphones towards you guys. So guys, why don't you take a seat? I can hardly see any of you out there because of the bright lights in my face. So if you take a seat, and uh, I just want you to wave at Tim or Holly. Where are Tim and Holly? Holly's here. Is Tim up there? Melissa, come. Let's shift you over just a tiny bit. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this, this one's going to be favor, okay? Or, or let's just say positive. And this one can be negative, okay? So let's, let's start with the favor stuff, shall we? Where's Tim O'Leary? Where are you? I'm upstairs. Oh, fantastic. Have you found someone? Hello. Well, it's <laughs> high up here. Gosh. Um, I'll have Maddie with me. The question is what might we do? That might cause other people to basically to feel good about us and go, wow, those guys are amazing. Feel favor. Maddie, what are you saying? Um, like Christian charities. Charities. Stick it on. Yeah, why don't you put it in the bottom half and then it'll all become clear. Thank you. Let's have another one from up there and then where's Holly? Now, the whole rule of this, guys, is that you can't get nervous. Can't, well, I'm not going to say anything because that's a bit exposing. The camera's only facing this way and that's terrifying. Okay, Tim, you got one? Yeah, uh, I've got Helen with me. Helen. Standing up for people who can't help for themselves. Standing up for people who can't help for themselves. That's brilliant. Yeah, everyone look at that and go, wow, you guys are amazing. Holly, still on favour? So I've got Alice. Still on favour. Um, so seeing love in action, but then on the flip side of that, um, not seeing love like from Christians. So when people don't live Ooh. out their faith. So see, can we just pause on the first one for now? Just yeah, for now. Sure. Seeing love in action. So love. 
Fantastic. Okay. Uh, Holly, let's find another one. Anyone? Wave at Holly if you've got a favour one. I've got Fee down here. Um, I don't know if I've got the gist of this, but um, for us to spend enough time with Jesus, and not like a guilt thing, but us just to love intimate time with Jesus, that we kind of wake up out of our complacency and ask God to like make us awake to what we actually believe in. So we're living in joy and excitement over what we believe in. So other people can't say, oh, you're boring, or you're living by rules, because we're actually getting it ourselves. Okay, so kind of living what we believe, a consistency, sort of the joy, peace. People have often sort of seen that in people and gone, wow, have you ever heard the phrase, you've got, you've, I just want what you've got. And some people see that sort of stuff. So that's, that's amazing. We're going to do about three or four more favors. So come on, guys. If you've got something favorable, I want you to say it. You've got to say it. Tim, where are you? I'm upstairs. Got, anyone got a favorable for Tim? Holly, come over to this side of the room and after that one. Okay, so guys, we're going to pick on you. Are we with Elliot Patrick. upstairs? Are we with Tim or with me? Elliot, we're with what, Tim what are you right saying? Now. <laughs> are we still on favor? Yeah, 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 come on. Right. <laughs> Mario stitched me up here. Um, Good lad. <laughs> quite royally. Um, yeah, so just like uh, being visible in the community, sort of community outreach and, and sort of being seen to actually be do- doing stuff. Being seen to be doing stuff, being visible. Okay, Holly, where are you? I'm down here with Patrick. Okay. Uh, challenging injustice. Oh, challenging injustice. Loving, loving that. And Holly, come over here for the last one. Oh, Maria, he's waving. She, he is waving at you. That's brilliant. Okay, guys, then you're not all allowed to put your hands up for the, the negative side, okay? Just, just you have to kind of slow that one down. Mario. Uh, so being generous with your time and resources. Generosity. Okay, time and resources. That is special. Okay. So, so that's true. And I think the camera's going to come on here in a moment. Um, and actually... When this is happening, other people are like, wow, that's, that's great. That is awesome. That is special. That is honorable and things like that. Let's put some things on here. Okay, so where's Tim? Have you got, are we on one sort of the negatives now, aren't we? Um, what might we do? How might we live? Things that we do that cause other people not to think favorably of us. Tim, are you with someone? Yes, upstairs. Negative. Okay, shoot. People's previous experience of negative things that have happened to them within the church. People's previous experience yes. of negative... Okay, yes, so let's, let's say, when the church hurts me. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Okay. The church hurt me. Let's, let's say that. Let's be honest. Let's, let's, let's expose this. Okay, other things. Holly, you over here. Someone wave at Holly. Okay, guys, we need some more hands. We're going to get, we're gonna get send these guys. These guys are going to lose some weight, which is fantastic. They can join the Armoury Gym, get a free say? month membership. <laughs> so, that's a good point. That was very rude of me. Uh, false doctrine and bad theology. Oh, false doctrine and bad theology. You, you actually think... That's, that's guys, you think people outside are uh, assessing our doctrine and theology? or yeah. Sub- At least subconsciously, yeah. Subconsciously. Okay. Maybe they are challenging our beliefs or things like that. Let's talk about doctrine and theology. We've got to be thinking. A lot of people do have this kind of accusation just like, Christians don't think at all. They can't, can they? They believe in a fairy at the bottom of the garden. Shoot. Um, he doesn't need a mic. Just shout. Um, I'm going to go for um, suffering. Basically for the reason of the fact that a lot of people um, will ask Christians and say, well, why... 
like why are people still getting hurt? Why is there still things like cancers? Why is there something like that if there's a God? Yeah. Okay. It's a huge, huge issue, that. The issue of suffering. It's a, it's a massive stumbling block for many people. It's, Adam, I know him really well. It's not actually answering the question. It's not things that we do that make other people go, ha, oh, the church, ha, oh, Christians. So next time, bro, um, I wouldn't say this to most of you guys, but I know him really well, so it's just as well I didn't give you a mic. Oh, yeah, okay, nailed it. Give him a high five. So Andrew absolutely nailed it. said, actually, Nick, Nick, you're wrong. That is an issue. If we don't give an honest answer to it or if we dismiss that issue of suffering as unimportant or not, not a thing, it, actually, it is a big thing. So I'll apologize. He knows I'm going to buy him lunch sometime this week anyway. Holly's with someone with a mic. Callum. Telling people they're going to hell. Oh, yeah. So let's just, can I just call that... Being judgmental? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, any other things? Where's Tim O'Leary? I'm upstairs still. <laughs> I'm with Phil now. I can't see a thing up there. Um, being seen to set high standards and then publicly failing them. Ooh. Give me a word for that, Phil. Hypocrisy. Okay, can you write that up? Hypocrisy. No one's going to check the spelling. <laughs> that was mean to me. <laughs> Hypocrisy. Um, <laughs> you nailed it. That's so amazing. Um, okay, Holly's got one. And then Holly, will you come this way? Because I'm getting waved at um, after that. Yeah, so um, anything negative that we do is always put forth on the news. But if we do anything positive, that's very seldom portrayed um, worldwide. Okay, you're making a really important cultural, um, I guess, observation um, that, that we live in a culture where, where people, uh, the world, the media, for example, they love to pick up on our faults. This is the reality in which we... And we make faults. My goodness. Um, but when we do, when it's, even if it's hypocrisy or anything else, oh, it, it, is, it is like free game on. That, and people will, will publish it and they will have a field on it. And in contrast to that, there is very little kind of public... Um, airing of some of the healthy stuff that's going on. That's a really good uh, cultural observation. Yeah, I think we might miss the last one unless anyone else is desperate. Tim, have you got someone who's desperate up there behind the lights? Yeah, um, with Nicole. Okay, hold Nicole. on a moment. We're going to come down here and then come to you for the last one. Okay. okay. Being uncompromising on scripture in a way that's countercultural. So when. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So, so when we stand up, when we are uncompromising on what Jesus says. And it's viewed to be to go against popular culture. Right. Okay. So being uncompromising scripture. So you could say being principled, living out your faith, even when that's a bit in the face of what's acceptable culturally, and and that often causes people to, you know, to have to have real issues against Christians, um, and that and that's a reality that that we face. Okay. Did I summarise that close enough? Did, did I echo that close enough? Did I say, say back what you said? Okay. <laughs> I was saying, did I summarize what you had said? Did I summarize that okay? Okay. Tim, the last one. Um, Great. This is uh, Nicole. Uh, so 
sometimes being closed-minded and not open for discussions with people with other faiths yeah. or uh, belief systems. Yeah, being closed-minded, not being open for discussion, dialogue with people of other faiths or other beliefs, other worldviews. Um, and actually, very often, I think the word that's often thrown out in that area is, is the accusation of intolerance. Okay, is that, is that a word that you might, you might have heard? Christians are so intolerant. Actually, it's really interesting. The, um, uh, listening to a podcast recently, Mark Sayers, he was saying, actually, the pendulum has swung. So actually, uh, the most intolerant people possibly in, in the world today are the progressive, liberal progressives who are like, Christians are so intolerant because they don't agree with them. So they're actually calling us intolerant, but actually they are being intolerant of anyone with a faith that doesn't agree with what they're saying. Um, but it's, it's a big thing. I, I think we should give our microphones a hand and Melissa a hand. Woo! You guys are amazing. And I'm going to head over here and the camera. Camera, can you pick up these two boards for a moment? Um, and guys, thank you for staying awake through all of that. That's amazing. Um, and it's important to have uh, your feedback, your insights, your journeys, because all of this stuff uh, is super, super real. Now, it's all a bit dark and gloomy, but you might be able to make out um, some of the words from time to time. Now, I was kind of saying, um, earlier on, we saw the others saying, um, uh, enjoying the favor of all the people. That was the first century church, the, the very first church. Now, I've been a bit unfair on you, because I have slightly misled you, deliberately. Uh, this was their story, enjoying the favor of all, uh, of all the people, but this wasn't always their story. In fact, it's only just a few chapters later, even a few weeks later, that suddenly the first church starts coming under intense hostility. So Jesus also told us that that would happen. He, he warned, anyone who, who wants to be holy will be persecuted. He said, anyone who chooses to follow him, there will be a cost to that. Some people uh, will simply hate us. It's just true. But what's important to realize is that we will face hate from, it'll come from one of two places. Either it'll just be kind of pushback for being a Christian like Jesus was saying, like the first century church experience, or the second place it comes from is because of us. Because of us, because of things we've done. You see, a lot of people are seeing this. They're seeing a whole lot of this. And they're not seeing this. And if they saw more of this and less of that, actually some opinions would start softening and would start changing. I wonder if we could pick on one for a moment. Just one. This one here. I wonder if we could just spend a couple of minutes uh, exploring that a little bit. This is, this is possibly the big one, hypocrisy. This is the one I've heard, uh, sometimes about my own life, but it's the one I've heard in conversations uh, with people for 20-odd for years. Um, and, and it's the thing that possibly grates people outside more than anything else, hypocrisy. And, and I'm aware, friends, I'm aware, the moment I start speaking about it, I'm in danger of it. I don't stand here with any sense of superiority or, or accusation out, but, but I do want us to have a bit of honesty 
and a bit of authenticity. And, and actually, let's talk about the, the difficult time. The, uh, the author, Bren, Brennan Manning, and if you've ever read some of his, read, he wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. He puts it this way, and it's going to come up on the screen. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. He he wrote that years ago, probably 20-something years ago, but it's absolutely right. Read it one more time. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I think they expect us, if we truly believe this, that our lives would reflect that a little bit more than they do. And it, and, it, and it shames me, it, it, you know, how so often I have, I have, I have not lived out what I believe. You know, that's part of my fallen nature, I, I, I know. And I know lots of us too. But it's so important as well that we know what the difference between condemnation and conviction is. Do you know what the difference between those two things is? Guys, when the Holy Spirit is present, when he's doing something, he doesn't bring condemnation. So that's all about guilt and shame. And actually, there should be none of that in this room tonight. We are not wanting any of that. Guilt and shame leads to the kind of like, why bother? It's always going to be the same. Why bother? That's the enemy. The enemy would love, when we stuff up, and we do, when we stuff up, the enemy then wants to keep us in that place of like, you're the worst, you're the worst, you're the worst. And and that's the enemy's voice. Condemnation is not from God. But actually conviction, and there's a difference, is Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and, and bring conviction of sin, and that is an act of love. That is because he loves us. He loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay as we are. He doesn't want us to stay in our mess. He wants us to be set free from it. He convicts us that we might bring it to him and leave it with him. Maybe at the foot of the cross. That's what confession is. We bring it to you and say, Lord, I've messed up here. I've messed up here. I need some help. Hypocrisy does two things to us. It not only puts off people out there, but it also actually erodes our faith to the point where actually it is so hard to continue. It just destroys our faith. I'd love us to watch a very short clip on the screens, and maybe we can kill some of the lights. It's pretty hard-hitting, that little video, isn't it? David prayed this. He prayed, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, may, may that be one of our prayers tonight. Where, where we're just before the Lord. Uh, and we say, here I am. Father, would you search me? Uh, as a lot of the stuff I've just been like hiding. Lord, Lord, if that's something we need to deal with right now. And, and very quickly, very quickly, he makes it so known to us. Because he loves us that there is. He, it's like he puts his finger on something and says, come on, Nick. 
let's deal with this. Let's stop pretending. Let's deal with this now. And and it's it's the most loving thing he can do because he doesn't want us to stay in the place of our own pain where we're lost, where we're just in our own little cycle of being broken. He wants us to deal with these things and find freedom and grace. Maybe an action point after you've left here uh, is for you to find someone that you trust, a brother, a sister, and actually ask for their help. You know, a lot of us, you know, we, we want to live like the positive. I want to live like that. I don't want to live like this. Some of the stuff where I maybe habitually are fairly hypocritical. I, I don't want that. So maybe we need to find someone to say, friend, will you help me? And, and find someone. You might call them an accountability prayer partner or something. You might find them, you might call them a, a mentor or something. The last thing we want is for people to go and say, oh, I've seen this in you and I've seen that in you. Will you stop that? That's awful. We, we don't want that. But if it's the other way around and you go to someone and you say, I give you permission to talk to me about this subject, about this, any time you want, well, then that changes everything. Just do it gently. Guys, grace is the main word. It's grace in the pursuit of holiness, though. Okay. We're going to bring it in um, to land. And I wonder if Fee and the guys might come up. Actually, Tim and David, would you come and get rid of these, these boards um, so Fee can actually get onto the stage? Uh, guys, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, and uh, you, you guys are going to be part of uh, all of that. We need to bring ourselves back before God uh, now. We're trying to figure out trying to remind ourselves, what are we about as a church? We've, we've got to be a people who are pressing in to the presence of God. That's what we're going to do again right now. Pressing into the presence of God. Pressing into everything that he has got for us. We've got to be a people who are authentic and real with one another. Full of grace, not judgment to one another in the room or outside the room. And we've got to be a people who are reaching out to a lost and hurting world. Remember the lifeboat story right at the start? I guess that phrase, all in, all in is an invitation, an open invitation for you guys to be part of shaping how we go about that and what that is going to look like. You guys are the church.